fighting, cosmic sex, and plant medicine. All this and more with UFC veteran Josh Berkman on this episode of The Fight Focus. What's up, everybody? Buck Grant here. I met Josh at a mobility workshop with Budokan Academy in Miami about five weeks or so from here. Um, If you want a little bit of background about what Budokan Academy is, go to episode 22 and check out my interview with Cameron Shane. Fun interview. In any event, you know him as UFC fighter and alumni on The Ultimate Fighter Season 2. Because of this background, you might be shocked where this conversation went. We talked about everything from how he got his ring name, the People's Warrior, to how to have better sex and our comparison of transcendental experiences through plant medicine and meditation. You definitely don't want to miss this episode. Stay tuned throughout the entire time. You won't be disappointed. This show is brought to you by BuckGrant.com, where you can find out everything that I'm doing in my upcoming workshops and retreats. A couple of things coming up pretty soon, including my retreat to Costa Rica. We'll be going to the Fighter's Edge retreat, um, or the Primal Edge retreat in Costa Rica. I go there every year. Great opportunity to come train with me and have a great vacation. So if you want to do those things all at the same time in December, get away from the cold weather and be somewhere warm, uh, go to buckgrant.com and check us out. Without further ado, here is Josh Berkman on this episode of the fight focus. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the fight focus. I am here with my brother Josh Berkman. Yes, sir. What's yeah. up, y'all? What's up, man? We uh, we up? met in Florida at the Budokan Academy. You were there what for the thirty day? Thing? Yeah, I mean, I did it. A little bit different. I did, uh, <laughs> I did the two weeks, and then when I and I was going to decide on going back when I came home, and when I came home, my, I got two little boys who legend. My five year old was starting school, and it was like a big, big deal to him to like start kindergarten. Yeah. And so he just asked me to stay home, and like in his own little way, kind of let dad know that he needed to support starting school, and yes. so I decided to stay home and. Uh, I didn't end up going back. But for me, right, I just, I always go back. Sure. Go back. So now yeah. I'll be back in November for the teacher training we got coming up then. Yeah. When are you coming back? Because I'm trying to get back there at the end of November. And like, Yeah. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go the first week of, of training. Okay. And then I'm going to go the last 10 days and I'm going to do my, um, the, the test, the red belt test. Because oh. I think I am right now the longest most advanced white belt practitioner in the Budokan series. <laughs> the super white belt. <laughs> super. I always tell everybody, though, like, I'm just a collector of white belts. I like to go to all the masters and collect all their basic information. That's it, man. <laughs> That's how you do it, man. Oh, yeah. I want to paint the story with it with you because everybody knows you. Well, a lot of people know you from the Ultimate Fighter show and they know you from from the UFC, but you you were an athlete before you even got into like the whole fighting thing, right? Yeah, you know, I grew up, I mean, I grew up playing all, you know, traditional sports. Baseball was kind of the first, uh, football, basketball. Um, I didn't find wrestling until, until junior high. Oh, okay. Um, and, and two, wrestling, you know, the only reason that I wrestled 
is uh, because my junior high wrestling coach came up to me and said, do you want to be tougher than your brother? And uh. I had a brother named Jared that it was, was super tough. Beat me up. It didn't really pick on me. You know, just like we just wrestled and fought. That's what we did. Mm. And uh, he he said, if you want to beat your brother, you got to learn to wrestle. And I was like, okay, I'll wrestle. And that was kind of like what got me started with wrestling. And I think I was maybe 12, 13 years old, 12, 13 at that time. Oh, okay. By the time I was 15, I was beating up my brother, holding him down. <laughs> So, and then I never really thought I was going to go anywhere with it, you know, but I, same thing in, uh, in high school, my wrestling coach came up to me, uh, came out to the baseball field and he heard, said, I heard you might play basketball. And I was like, yeah, he's like, you're five foot 10, you're white and your <laughs> basketball has like, you know, limited potential. From yeah. long run. He's like, but I know you like to fight. And if you wrestle in high school, I promise you, it will make you a better fighter. And he said, I need you to come into my room, my classroom, after your baseball practice. I want to show you something. And I went into his classroom, and he had a video of Matt Hughes. And the UFC was real, real new at this point, right? I mean, it was back in 1998. And he showed me a video of Matt Hughes um, fighting in the UFC, but also wrestling in Iowa. And he says, does that help you make up your choice? And I said, I'll see you the first day of wrestling. Uh... Matt, so that helped me choose, you know, my path in high school. So I played baseball, wrestled, and played football. And then I got a scholarship to go play baseball and football in college. And I did that until I became a professional fighter. Wow. When he said that you liked to fight, were you fighting in high school? or? How the- yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was a very, I liked combat. That's why I liked football. I mean, we, get, we, we had a couple bench-clearing brawls in baseball, you know, in like state tournaments. And then, two, like, I got in a lot of fights. In junior high, I was, you know, we, we lived in an area that there was a lot of Polynesians and a lot of black kids. And, and there, was, there was an equal amount of white kids, too, but it was, a, it was in South Salt Lake, which was, like, a rougher part of Salt Lake. And as rough as Salt Lake gets, like, it's not too crazy, you know? Right. It's all relative. everybody's heard that the Berkman boys, you know, were tough. And everybody was always trying to challenge us um, for whatever reason. But in that... We got in a lot of fights and we made a lot of friends from winning those fights. But I think by the time that I was in college, I'd probably been in 150 street fights um, with me, friends from other schools. But in truth, looking back, Utah, and Utah's kind of been known for this, was known for backyard fights and underground fighting. And it was basically every neighborhood and every community would find their toughest guy through these local fights and then the to- toughest guys would fight the toughest guys in the other communities. And it's really, it was like an amateur mixed martial arts before mixed martial arts was popular here in Utah. Mm. Because afterwards you'd shake hands, you'd give each other a hug and you ended up being friends for the next 10 years. It was, it was pretty crazy actually. That's something that's kind of missing, I think in modern day society. Cause you know, I grew up, that way where like it was pretty common for us to get in fights and 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 end up best friends with the guy that you fought afterwards you know and that seems that seems like such an odd thing nowadays yeah and and two with with men and women right we have our egos Mm. and we have our egos and and kids like i see with my little boys they're constantly challenging each other and other kids just to find their place within their groups and it's kind of like how we figure out who we are and where we're at in that group 
and it's I think it's a very natural and a very animalistic thing that we have and we are to figure out listen who's who's the toughest who's the smartest who's the you know kind of whatever that is and I, I agree I think it's it's something that I let my boys kind of figure out and I let them do you know and and I think that it's it's and we do it in sports we do it in in school and I think it's something natural that like we got to be okay with I don't try to like I don't try to over parent like when I see my kids wrestling or doing this like I let them figure it out and if the other parents are okay with it we let them figure it out on their own yeah I think it's I think it's good for them to be able to figure that out and figure out who they are and I think we'd have less road rage if people were just be willing to do that. There's like, aren't there some places in the United States where they have like a law that if two people decide they want to have like mutual, co- the mutual combat law, where mutual they both combat, decide. Yeah. 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 There's, I mean, there is, that's what it is. It's, it's mutual combat and you know, you can't go above and beyond, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you hurt somebody and you knock somebody out and you continue to put something, you know, punch them while they're unconscious, then it becomes assault. Right. But if you iron out your difference and it's mutual combat, I mean, no problem. Walk away. Yeah. Who's the winner? Yeah. You know, you get people like hiding behind, you know, you're driving and road rage is a big aspect of that. Driving behind all this metal, you're hiding behind this metal and you're already ramped up from your world and somebody cuts you off. And now you're you're acting in a way that you would never act if somebody was right in front of your face. Absolutely. And, yeah. And that's why we train, right? Like in the way that we train and do martial arts is so that our our anger and our emotion doesn't control us, mm. right? Where I think that like that's what anger is, is it's an uncontrollable emotion because of a reaction, you know? And it's like, no, we learn to center ourselves through breath and through martial arts so that we can control that that aggressiveness and that anger so that we don't get in those situations, you know, and let it control us, which is for everybody but road rage i mean absolutely you know like i think it's just the you know the inability to be able to control that emotion and people feel pretty tough behind their yeah cars or their keyboards or whatever it is right yeah the keyboard warriors man it's like i never thought cyber cyborg i never thought that cyber bullying would actually be a thing where somebody could actually bully you from a computer screen but kids are being tormented through that and i just like, I, of course, I was picked on as a kid. I was a biracial kid, black neighborhood. I jokingly say this, that like, the one smart kid in the neighborhood was the one white kid who decided right. that he would pick on us, me and my brothers, because like, if I'm picking on them, then the black kids aren't messing with me. <laughs> and, and I thought it was smart. And I was like, oh, that kid is smarter than I am. And then we, you know, we all got in a fight and, and then everybody was cool. But everybody was all right after it. Well, that's what we talked about originally, right? Is it's almost like. When, when, if me and you were going to fight and we have a disagreement and we get in a fight and you win, it's almost like it settles the agreement and yeah. the misunderstanding. And there's respect at the end of it because you give what you had. And, and in truth, it's, you know, it's a battle of spirits in a sense, you know, and it's like why you see, you know, people always say to martial artists, like, man, it's crazy that you guys go out there and get in those kind of fights and then hug and shake hands at the end. And it's like, a lot of the times you don't have anything left but respect and humility at the end of that battle. Yeah. Were you angry when you were a kid? Did you feel that you were angry in your fights or did that drive you fighting? No, I wasn't. I was a lover, man. I was, I was a lover. I was a mama's boy. But what happened to me, and this is like a, this is a, 
a big change in my life is I was in third grade and I had uh, I had a group of friends that were brothers and they were black kids. And one of them was named Philip and he was younger than me. I was in third grade, he was in first grade and we were all playing on a neighborhood street and one of the, another kid came out who was a sixth grader. And he called my buddy Philip a nigger. And I was like, what did you just say? My dad always taught us like, you know what I mean? That ain't right. And when we grew up, we we all loved each other. We were all friends, you know? And so I went up and I was like, bro, like, you're not going to talk to my friend like that. He's in first grade, bro. How old are you? Mm. And the kid punched me in the eye. Oof. And my eye <laughs> got a little cut on it. And I started crying. Philip was like, I don't, I don't know what happened. But anyway, <laughs> I ended up going home. And when we went home, I... Uh, I told my dad what happened, and my dad said, okay, well, let's go back over there. And we walked up we walked up to this kid's house. We walked down, you know, in their gate. My dad knocked on the door. My dad, he's, he was tough in his own right, you know. Right. And he knocks on the door, and the kid's dad comes to the door, and my dad said to him, he's like, hey, your son punched my, my little boy, and your son's a sixth grader, and my son's a third grader. He's like, you need to go get him because they're going to finish this, or else me and you are going to have a problem. And the whoa. guy's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> Let me go get my son. We don't we don't need to have a problem here. So he went and got his son. We had a little conversation, you know, and then my dad took me back to the house and he said, Listen, don't ever let somebody in your personal space that's aggressive towards you. If somebody ever gets within, you know, an arm's length of you and wants to push you, you feel uncomfortable, you hit them in the mouth. Or you hit him in the nose, and then you run and tell the teacher or an adult, like, they were in your space, they made you feel uncomfortable, and you defended yourself. Mm. And then we worked on punching with both hands. And, you know, he's like, God gave you two hands for a reason, learn to use them both. Wow. And then, so that was almost like my dad gave me permission to defend myself, which I had never had to that point because I'd never really been in a fight or anything like that, you know. And nobody messed with me because my brother was like the most incredible athlete, the toughest kid, super cool. And he was my older brother. So everybody, I kind of like had the path made for me when I walked in, you know. But he, uh, so then I, that was on a Friday. And it's still to this day, I got my, you know, third grade picture. I got this cut under my eye. It's like the first, <laughs> you know, first time getting punched. Uh. We, went to school, we went to school on Monday and there's this kid named Josh Ball. And he was always picked on this kid named Chris. And I was like, okay, and we were playing basketball and the Chris kid, redheaded kid, freckles, every, you know, got picked on like that normal story, right? Right. He gets, he stuffs the Josh Ball kid. And Josh Ball was like the tough kid, the bull, but he wasn't tough. He was the bully. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, he grabbed the ball after the kid and uh, stuffed him. And he grabbed the ball, picked it up, and threw it at the Chris kid's face and hit him right in the nose. And I was like, huh. So I walked over, I grabbed the ball, and I said, Josh. And I grabbed the ball, and boom, I hit him in the face. <laughs> he looked at me, and he wanted to cry, and then he came at me to punch me. And I double-legged him, I took him on the ground, I hit him right in the face, and I went and told the teacher what happened. And that was like my first real fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> but it said a line that, like, I never started fights, ever. But I was always one to like stand up for somebody that was getting in a fight and didn't want to be in a fight. And so I 
I, I always was standing up for people and that got me in a lot of fights because it was the bullies that were picking on people, even to where that happened, like all the way into, you know, my, my later teens. And, but now I never really started a fight, but I never walked away from one either. Wow, man. Yeah. Is that, is that where you got the name? The, is it the people, people's warrior? People's warrior, you know, so the Nick, the people's warrior, it, it came in a really roundabout way. Okay. Which now is making more sense than ever than it did then. And I always told people, you know, fighting for me is just to set a stage. It's basically like me trying to get through a keyhole, the warrior phase of life, right, to get to the next phase. But mixed martial arts will always set a stage for me to do my real work. Mm. And, and, and which benefited me in my career and didn't benefit me in my career, you know, because, like, I always looked forward to the phase after fighting, Um and I always just kind of loved fighting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And But I always knew that was so much more for me um, outside of that. And then, so the People's Warrior, when I first started, there was a local fight show, and I was fighting on that show. And my buddy was one of the producers for that show. And he, it was, it was this was like 2003, but the fights were already on the regional TV show. It was, it was some of the first professional fights that were ever on tv anywhere in the united states right and uh he said after my first fight he's like there used to be like you know 50 100 people at these fights and my first fight there was like 500 people there my second fight there was a thousand people there and my buddy's like i can't he's like can't believe how many people come watch you fight and uh he's like uh we're gonna call he's like we're gonna give you a nickname he's like who was your favorite wrestler told him i said my favorite wrestler was the ultimate warrior and he's like we got to give you a nickname like that and i was like i don't want a nickname i don't want to be called josh i just want one name just berkman that's it he's like oh yeah cool bro okay well i'll talk to you later i gotta finish editing this tv show (laughs) and he hung up on me the tv show aired on the next sunday and they do these voiceovers and he went upon himself to give me the nickname the people's warrior (laughs) Then we had another buddy who um, did designs and all that kind of stuff, and they made my logo. And my logo is like, you know, the outstretched arms, which is the Vitruvian Man, you know. And I've always I've come back and asked Charlie why he gave me that logo, because it was back in 2003. I had no idea, and he said I had a dream about it. I had a dream about it, and that's where the logo came from. Hmm. So the nickname came from one of my buddies, and the logo came from a different one of my buddies that was all in our same group but it all happened without any thought and very organic and you know the thought for me is right like the more we can get back and the more we can help other people the more that we're going to contribute to our own happiness you know and that's that's always been my thought through my career and and, and even to today more so today than even in the mixed martial arts career you know yeah you called it the the what logo the what logo the retrieving so, the word the Vitruvian Man, which is Da Vinci's man, where you know it's the it's the measure of a man. Okay. Right, and it's uh, I feel like that's where like the six directions come from. It's like where the where 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 yoga, movement, and martial arts come from. I mean, it's uh, I mean, the more that I get into the Vitruvian Man, the more that I start to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how like it. I, I was reading a quote earlier today about. Um, about choice, right? Like making a choice. Right. And 
it was like, it's, it, there's no such thing as a choice when you are in alignment with what you do. It's just action. It's like, right. once you're in alignment with that thing that you're, you're called to do, there's only choice when you're not sure, when you're not sure who you are or where you want to be. But when you are clear about who you are as a person and where you want to be, then there's no choice. There's just action coming from that place. And it seems like, like all these things kind of lined up for you to kind of paint the picture of where you're, you're basically heading now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, you know, when I was going through it, maybe I didn't know exactly what it all was. I was like, I don't I'm not the people's warrior, bro. And he's like, dude, everybody loves you. Like you have a lot, you know, you've filled up the crowd. Like this is your nickname, you know what I'm like? And even the logo, like I never, I never knew necessarily. It was just a logo. But then something happened to me that made me decide to start looking into the Vitruvian Man, which also brought me to Budokan, which also brought me to a lot of things over the last few years, you know? Yeah. And I think that, like, what the work we're doing, right, with Budokan and with yoga and with martial arts, it all teaches us one thing. It definitely teaches us about breath, right? And if you look at the word spirit, Right. The word spirit in Hebrew is breath. Right. And it's I feel like when we can when we can slow down our breath and we can and we can visualize our center line in our body and we can get to a place where we feel light. Right. Because I don't feel like enlightenment is something that's outside of us. I think it's something that is 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 very, very real and something that's that's who we are. And it's if we can lighten our thoughts and if we can lighten our heart then we become enlightened right because we feel like life is light and and i think that in that like if we can use all this work to straighten our spine and to lift our chest and to fix our posture then we can trust how we feel more than how we think mm. which is kind of what you're saying is like we follow that choice and once we can line up our our spine and our posture and our breath and our body then we start to be able to like find a spiritual flow and i always say it's our spiritual surfboard right mm. we're like we know what we want to do we know what our purpose is now we're in line and it's easy to pay attention to what's around to benefit our purpose and what's a around to distract us and i feel like when you know that you still have the choice either way but you know how to stay on purpose better to keep yourself light and to keep yourself happy, right? In a place of enlightenment or mm -hmm. alignment, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I, I agree, like, yeah, that's the work is to, to get into this place where we can trust our intuition. And you know, I think that's part of what lining up our breath and our thoughts and our body is to get to a space that we become more intuitive and more more sensitive to, you know, the things, to choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it's an interesting vessel to use um, to get to this place, mixed martial arts. Right. <laughs> and where most people would look at like yoga and maybe yoga and martial arts are the same side of, the, of a different coin. But yoga right. and MMA seem to be so far apart. And yet uh, some right. of us have found a way to like bridge the gap between that, that too. Absolutely. They're brothers and sisters. They're of the same family for sure. Mm. You know, I think like they seem so far apart, right? But then in yoga, and this is, 
in yoga, yoga is a series of battling through your body and your mind to find this enlightened state. And they use warrior one, which warrior one, right? We're staggered. We got our arms in the air. It's really a fight stance where we root down, we grab our sword and we extend it to the sky. Mm. Right? And warrior two, we draw our sword and we point it. Warrior three, we stab, which is all right. There's a, there's a quote that's going around. That's pretty popular right now. That says yoga is a martial art um, against ourselves, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it is. It's, it's yoga teaches you, you know, very much like this battle battle about yourself. And then what martial arts is is it's the battle of yourself against someone else, right? And that that teaches you also something else. It's much more combative in a way. Um, but they're definitely brothers and sisters. I think yoga is the softer side of martial arts, but I think yoga is a martial art. And I think if you have yoga, but you don't understand martial arts, then you don't truly understand yoga. And I think if you have martial arts, but you don't do yoga, you don't truly understand martial arts because I think they're, they're one and the same, you know, like, because in the history of yoga, Yoga was done differently. It wasn't done on a mat, right? Like right. there was there was movement and there was breath and there were swords. And then when, you know, the, um, I think it's, you know, the Muslims came in and started to control India. They said, listen, you can still do all this movement and this breath work, but you can't move around and you can't have your swords. Hmm. And, and we have mat yoga. Now we have yeah. And fixed positions. Yeah, now we have yoga pants and and now we have yoga <laughs> pants, hot rooms. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't. Which, I in know. a sense, like I said, it's it's beautiful, but I think, um, I think it's all taking us to the similar place, you yeah. know. But it's like too in yoga. I think part of what's missing is these different different breaths and powerful breaths, right? Where mm. like chanting. And using Om and Ram and is all ways to get you to open up different parts of your body to get to higher consciousnesses. But if you do martial arts, you already understand that because if I want a fast punch, it's if I want a harder punch, it's ha. Yeah, yeah. And so you're already working through those chambers of breath. And so when you can take that into the yoga room. You can you can get to those higher places because this is very you know if I'm in warrior, warrior one and I'm like and I go into warrior two and I go ah that's cool and it's all peaceful and calm but it doesn't necessarily move the fire right mm-hmm. you can imagine if I was in a yoga room and I was like Chow! people would be like whoa, whoa. <laughs> but if I'm in a martial arts studio and I go fight stance punch yeah it's not a big deal no. No, right? makes so sense. I think like, yeah, one's a little more peaceful, but when, in India, when all men were doing yoga and women weren't allowed to do it and they were chanting, yoga was a much different thing. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, you know it because you're you're approaching what, like 50 professional fights now? Yeah, close, 47, but we're going to we're gonna get to 50. We're going to get to 50, that's right. We're, it's a new rebuilt Josh Berkman coming in, man. I know you can't wait, man. I know you can't wait. But like, so better than I've felt in 10 years, it's crazy. That's awesome, man. I can't wait yeah. to see you do your work, man. But I mean, you know, like, 
that, that, that real work of trying to stay to keep that internal calm, you know, being like the eye of a storm while chaos is around you. I think that is the ultimate expression of, of yoga, right? Like having a fighter in the ring who can control his internal faculties when the whole world around him is absolute chaos. I would think in essence, that is what yoga is trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, you know, too, with yoga, like you, you, you use your breath and you close your mouth and you breathe early on to find like to build the fire within us. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a more emotional breath and a more emotional movement to move that fire around. And if we're just using that breath to maintain this peace, peace within ourselves, well, yes, there's still fire there. And if you don't know how to move the fire or to move the life force or to move the sexual energy, you get stuck and you end up with anxiety. You end up with, you know, like frustration. You end up with anger. And it's absolutely just a way of using breath and movement to be able to channel that emotion and that force that's building within you so if you know how to build the fire you need to also know how to release the fire Mm. you know and if you don't sometimes that makes more rapid breaths faster blood movement which makes more fast like faster thoughts more anxiety less centeredness you know and it's like we use the yoga to come back and center ourselves and the martial arts is a way to move the fire and understand the combat aspect of of life and for me I'd rather use yoga and martial arts as my way to deal with adversity than having to create situations in my life and problems in my life to have to use that. I'd rather use martial arts as that tool to be able to understand those things. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like martial arts becomes kind of the sparring ground for real life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and it teaches you how to to deal with it and then eventually because we all got to go through these things we all have nobody's different than anybody else we all got to learn to deal with our mind and our body and our thoughts and come to a place where we feel peaceful even in the chaos right yeah or to be a part of this world but maybe not be in the chaos you know yeah yeah man that's beautiful work man and two it's like i remember we were at we were at budokan and i'm helping lovato get ready me and Lovato had a couple conversations. I was like, hey, let me, you know, let me know how I can help, what I can do. And the first time we got moving and training, you know, and, and really like started to pop off a little bit. Afterwards, you know, we're sitting there and he goes, oh, you're, the, you're fearless. You got no problem getting in a fist fight, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden he knew me better and I knew him better. And it's yeah. like, the Cameron Shane's quote, the way we do anything is the way we do everything. So the same way that I'm fearless when I stand in front of Lovato is the same way that I do my yoga. It's the same way that I parent. It's the same way that I, and I just, I know my center and I know how to breathe and stay in that place no matter what the situation has a hand. And mm-hmm. I use that in every aspect of my life, not just in yoga, not just in martial arts, but in it is who I am. And I never realized what a spiritual journey martial arts would be and until, you know, like it just became more spiritual than it did physical. Yeah. 
it was really cool watching you and Lovato like spar. Like I was, it was fun being able to get the opportunity to get in and work with Lovato, like getting just right. to spar with you guys. But watching yeah. you two go was fascinating because it reminded me about like you know back when I was fighting where. I had guys that I really, really trusted. And because we could trust each other, we could push each other. And people on the outside looking in would think that we hated each other's guts because we're going to war. But because I understood him or understood my partner, we could push each other that, that, that far. Absolutely. And I think like that's, that's, that's something only a martial artist and maybe not only a martial artist, but that understanding of like yoga. Yes. Very much gets you centered on yourself and your own energy standing across from an opponent you also start to understand how to center yourself what their center is and then it heightens the senses right like the distance becomes different all of a sudden you can feel the hair on your arms Hmm. and now when somebody throws a punch at you and you barely miss a punch by you know a millimeter it's because the senses are so on high and you're almost going off of intuition and feel more than you are what you see and what you hear, which is something we're all looking for is to, that's the inward martial arts. It's not about how I look. It's not about how I move, but it's about how my centeredness comes together to help me have an awareness of everything that's around me. And now whether it be about being on purpose or whether it be about, you know, um, whatever, whatever it is, it's that we have our center and we're able to guide ourselves through that a little bit more because we have a higher level of awareness. We're not caught up in how we think and what we're, you know, our thoughts all the time. Yeah. That's that flow state that people talk about in transcending meditation and flow state for athletes. Obviously the most popular flow or, you know, common flow state of an athlete ever is when Michael Jordan got the flu and scored 63 points. And it's like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, but it's the same thing that also is happening when a man and a woman are having sex and get close to orgasm, right? Like we line up our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems to get out our prefrontal lobe into our parietal lobes, which we get away from what we're thinking about and more our awareness to everything becomes heightened, you know? Yeah. Martial arts, yoga. Yeah. Martial arts, yoga, all the same thing. Same, same. (laughs) We're all looking to do the same thing, right? To like try to transcend to a higher consciousness. Yeah. It's good to have guys like yourself talking in this way, because I think that when, um, like men who are in this world or who are conditioned to be a certain way, we're also conditioned to not say or not talk about certain things and being able to have the the connection between like flow state and how we are in our sexual relationships, how we connect. It's really important, I think, for for people, for men particularly to hear like a guy like yourself be so open to talk about these things. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's important. And I think it's what we are missing as human beings. Mm. It's we're, we're taught how to go to school. We're taught how to do math. We're taught how to do science. We're taught how to think, how to think, how to think, how to do what we're supposed to do. But what I'm trying to teach my boys is how to feel. How do you feel? How does that make you feel? Like, how does that, you know, and and that's like what you're saying. Like, maybe men aren't supposed to be that because it's not macho or it's not, I don't know, right? Mm. Like, what I think we're missing is that it's okay to feel and it's okay to talk about sex and making love and what it is because I don't feel like we're doing it right. I feel like we've been lied to and it's been hidden from us. But in truth, 
yoga, martial arts, healthy diet, and sex all have to do with the same thing, which is stimulating this life force that's within us that gives us our energy to do our work, right? Like whatever that may be. And it's like we had this conversation at Budokan. Somebody was like, Bergman, you know, let's have a talk. And I was like, what are we going to talk about? They're like, I need you to talk to me about, you know, like, about some of this sex stuff we've been talking about. And I was like, what do, you, what do you want to talk about? He's like, and what I was saying is, you know, having sex and making love shouldn't be like a, it shouldn't be a 15 minute thing, right? Mm. It shouldn't be, shouldn't be, a, definitely shouldn't be a five minute thing. And it shouldn't <laughs> be just about like having an orgasm and getting off, right? Mm. Because when you get close to that state is what I think is sex should be, a week or two week long process that stimulates our sexual energy and helps us like use that sexual energy in our body to help us become stronger, healthier human beings. Right. And if we're always just building that energy to get off, then we're, I feel like part of that is we're not using that energy to help heal us and to help make us stronger, you know, and, and, so, yeah, I think that there's a huge discussion that, that should be started and that needs to come from, like, how we are, um, how we're approaching sex and how we're approaching everything. Same thing, right? The way we do anything is the way we do everything. Mm. You know, and it's like, there could be better connection. There could be more um, stimulation on that. Like, it's right when you get to that point. That's when you use your Udianda Banda locks to mm. store the energy and cycle it and to use it. You know, and it's, we have this conversation of Budokan and it continues to come up. And it's like, I feel like we're missing, we're not doing the practice right if you're not using locks and sustaining and building that energy and that force within your relationships, you know? Mm. And it, yeah, man, now we're talking about real stuff because like, so like I'm, I'm hearing, I hear a lot of talk about like, you know, this, you know, sustaining or, um, um, stay, like, like not having everything so orgasm centric, for example, right? right like right. that is like the, you know, the beginning and the end of sex all revolves around that physical attributes, but people who are able to like in tantric sex, being, sex, being able to, uh, abstain from that. Uh, recycle right. that energy, so to speak. And even in like some meditation practices, like I've been going, um, when I went to Jamaica, I was uh, dealing with a, uh, a shaman, so to speak, who was talking about certain meditation practices. You ever heard of a guy named Joe Dispenza? No, I haven't. He's a big meditation guy who's talking about using meditation to heal, super heal the body. And right. like, so yeah, I mean, crazy stuff, but there's a lot of science backing up a lot of these things. And they talk oh, about, for sure. oh yeah, man. There's people doing some crazy healing yeah. by using well, meditative I mean, processes. Here's here's a thought, and I'll ramble on it for a minute, right? Let's Stay with me. Let's do it. But if I think what we're getting in too big of a hurry, right? And we all say like it's about the journey, not the destination, right? Mm -hmm. And even kids, like when I when we were younger, if you want, if a new CD was coming out, they told you for for six months the cd was going to come out and when the cd came out you ended up having to go to the mall get that cd you had to go back home put it in a cd player and you were like okay i'm gonna listen to my cd today. yeah right and today kids 
and, and and even not even kids, adults, right? Like everything's at the tip of the fingers. There's no delayed gratification. There's no buildup that makes you be so grateful that you finally got it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like sometimes like sustaining and the buildup is the best part, right? The journey mm-hmm. is is the part, and it's if 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 for say for men, right? Like there's enough energy in our sperm right, to create human life, not to mention to power buildings. And they say, I think at some point, like this brain can power city blocks, right? Like mm. there's that much electricity going on in that. And so there's a lot going on in our body, right? And it's like, if we use, if we use sex to build up this sexual energy and then to get off, it's almost like a death, right? Because the high becomes so high and the feeling becomes so good, but then all of a sudden, for a man, when you get off, you're like, man, oof, that was a hell of a come down, mm-hmm. right? It's a major come down. So I think that like, say we all believe that like in martial arts, like the chi, right? Is in the belly, right? This the belly button, right? And you know, that's where our umbilical cord came in and it gave us life. Second chakra. Place, yeah. Yeah. And there's a place between the belly button and the perineum, uh, which is, you know, that, that uh, your your chode or the place between your genitals, yeah, but taint, whatever you want to call it, yeah. yeah, 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 it's a lock. Yeah. So if you can breathe into the into that the belly button and you can build energy between there and your your lock, yeah. that's where that sexual drive comes from, that sexual force. But that also is your life force. It's your chi. It's your energy. Mm-hmm. So the quickest way to stimulate that is sex. <laughs> right right and and but in that like when that when that energy builds and it gets to the height you only stay between 70 and 90 percent right and then and you and you and you let that be, and that's where a place of like strength where you can you can have that kind of energy but you can lock and you can hold it and you can let it build and swirl and then you start to, instead of like letting all that energy go out of your penis, right? Mm. You lock and you let that start to go up your spine and you have to be able to visualize that, right? You got to know the anatomy of the body pretty well because visualizing it is what helps that energy move through the body. And I, I believe that that energy can heal us from sickness, can heal us from, you know, but it takes a period of time to be able to, to get that all the way to the spine and to the top of the head. And it takes a lot of discipline to be able to lock in the middle of, of, you know, making love and having sex to create that. The feeling is 10 times what the feeling is. Maybe not. The (laughs) orgasm is is complete release. It's pretty high. Yeah. You stay in that feeling for long periods of time. Right. Like 40 minute orgasms. If you can maintain that space up your spine into your head and your woman feels it too. Hmm. So it's almost like building the fire, building the fire and then letting that fire release. And there's a, there's a way it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of discipline to be able to, to use that. But that's, we all know the picture of the two yogis sitting there, the man sitting down, the woman's got her legs wrapped around them. And there's one chakra is aligned. The other chakras are aligned. They're each sharing their microcosmic orbit. And it turns into a golden circle, which helps you see 
transcending meditation. Mm. So your sex life can benefit your yoga and your martial arts and every part of your being because sex is the easiest way to find transcending meditation feeling. So because even in transcending meditation and in sex, it's still the same thing physically and scientifically. It's lining up your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems to take you out of a place where you're using your prefrontal lobe to focus. Now you're getting into your parietal lobes so that you become aware and highly sensitive, mm. right? Sex does the same thing we were talking about, about yoga and martial arts. And when me and Lovato find that place where we're moving as one and you know you're safe and you're comfortable, for me, it's, 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 all, it's all the same. We're trying to do the same thing within our body. We're just sharing it with people in different experiences. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, but, you know, if you check that out, look up microcosmic orbit and look what that does in the body. And then finding that in sex, you know, in a sexual relationship with your partner and teaching your partner to use that all of a sudden now this geometrical pattern of the energy I give you, the energy you give me compounds. And now we are bigger energy field carrying more space yeah it becomes a reciprocating <laughs> loop man yeah it's a reciprocating yeah. loop that that and it continuously feeds itself you know one yeah, thing feeds you're, the finding, other. you're finding that a little bit better breath and a little bit better movement in your yoga and your martial arts and your love life and everywhere because you're just finding more breath and expansion within yourself you know and and that's there's also plant medicine that helps you do that there's also you know there's different places to do it but in the end we can do it all by ourselves just with our breath and our focus yeah it's, it was funny when you were mentioning the the sustained feeling of like the 40 minute orgasm which may not be the as intense as a physical one but has that sustaining power when i was in jamaica and this will be a good segue to us talking about our different transcendental experiences versus you know plant medicine not plant medicine sexual medicine, so to speak. But I had a, I had a transcendental experience called the Kundalini experience. We probably have heard of the whole Kundalini rising, the serpent rising from your perineum all the way up to your eighth chakra or energetic center. And um, this happened pretty regularly when I was in Jamaica, we were having meditative experiences and, and um, shamanic experiences where literally I would get that body shake like throughout my entire system that right. the best way I could explain it to people was like, it felt kind of orgasmic. Yeah. Like I was having an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. But there was no <laughs> right. physical release and it was just sustained right. for a period Absolutely. of time. And it felt yeah. like it could power you forever. You know, like, like, Oh my God. Like if you could just, if you could cycle that, forget fighting, stay, you in place. Get, stay there. Oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah. so, but that was well, done through probably breath work. Felt, you probably felt very light, right? There was no heaviness in the body. Mm. There was no stress, no tension either right none none and i feel like that's like that that place where we were talking about of enlightenment well that's the space very light right there's even you even see light you see color you see you know you become you become the consciousness and the awareness <laughs> yeah, yeah and there was like the difference of like you know like that human love that we talk about the physical maybe egoic love where we're talking about the physical orgasm where it, it right. can, it can seem flighting and it can also be very 
conditional, you know, but I remember right. having this connection at some point during a meditation where I felt connected to this, like all seeing, all knowing, always present, like love. Right. And I was like, there's nothing in comparison to that, that thing that's always with you at all times that says that we're all one. And as kooky as that sound, like to have that experience has changed my entire perspective. And I hear the people that, you know, have done like plant medicine, for example, have right. had similar experiences with it. I'm one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, like what you're talking about, about finding that place within you that is all love and connectedness and one, to me, that's, that's, that's God. That's who God is. Mm -hmm. And the more that we try to define what that is, the harder it is, right? To me, that's, it's not necessarily a man. It's not a woman. It's not this picture on the wall. But it's that place you find within yourself that is light and that is love, you know. And I've used, you know, I've, I've, had, I've eaten mushrooms. I've done ayahuasca. I've done DMT. And those things all take you to a similar place. Mm -hmm. But they, they do it in a different way because um, they, they open up your body in a different way to help you get to that space. And if you have a lot of stress or you have done a lot, you're, you're a lot of shitty things to other people or had shitty things done to you, then the medicine might work in your body in a way to help open up that space to help you align your chakras or your center line or your three springs, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. help the microcosmic orbit open up so that you can bring breath into the entire body and help you have a transcending experience. Right. Mm. And, you know, also, you know, there's, there's, there's combo and combo is like a uh, toad venom and they burn you a few times and they put this toad venom on you and all of a sudden you feel hot and your skin, blow, you know, your lips blow up like a toad. And then all this, then the medicine, the poison finds a way into your system and then you purge and you throw up. And what it's doing is it's getting rid of all the bile in your body. Right, this bile that we store low in our belly, it gets rid of that. But that bile, whether it, it it builds up from not eating good, from stress, from emotion, all of a sudden you have this release. And then because the body's freer and can open up more, you have this like state of bliss. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think like what the medicine, plant medicines are are trying to tell us is like. Walk, eat healthy and take care of your body, right? Like manage your the people in your life, what you're watching, what you're listening to, um, and then also because those that's something that you're going through is like you're purging thoughts and emotions and becoming more clear with what's going on in your life, and that's helping center you, right? Mm -hmm. And, and the, you know, it's like, yeah, take care of the body, take care of the mind, you know, and do all those things so that you can live a more centered life to have more awareness and more feeling. And I think the plant medicine is a crutch to help you find that place so that when you come out of the plant medicine experience, you have a reference of why you are where you are and what I need to do to live in a way that I'm more centered so I can find transcending experiences more often or just a higher level of consciousness in your everyday life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? 
that was a lot. <laughs> that was good, man. That was a lot. That's what I'm looking for, man. That's what that's, I'm looking for. That's that's it. So that's what it that that's what the plant medicine is to me. It's the difference between plant medicines and drugs. It's why they call plant medicine drugs because the pharmaceutical industry would rather have you on your pharmaceuticals and pain pills that are spirit stealers and kill your spirit instead of the plant medicine that helps revive your spirit and get you into a place that's higher consciousness because that place doesn't fuel the pharmaceutical industry or the military industrial complex that has us all in the matrix, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. But we are absolutely waking up and we're starting to care more. And you're seeing that in so many different ways. Yeah. And it, and to kind of go back to what we were saying before about that is I think in order for it to completely open up, because I think, I think you're right, there are more and more people are waking up, but we need more pioneers. We need more people's warriors, for example, who can look at someone <laughs> and go, I need like, I need someone that looks like me in order for it to be true. Because let's face it, like you look at a fight world. And if I've got some 20-year-old hot yogi telling me all these things, who's lived in middle-class America and everything's going right in the world, it's a little bit more difficult for like the grunty fighter to hear that from someone versus if they look at you and go, oh, Josh Berkman, the guy that fought in the UFC, he's saying these things about sexual energy and plant medicine and consciousness and whatever. It almost gives people, like you said with your dad, permission to like explore those things. And I think a lot of people need that permission, so to speak. Not that they actually need the permission, but they need to know that, oh, it's okay. Someone like me is saying it. So then therefore it allows me to explore it, so to speak. Right. Yeah. I think, I think people, you know, I mean, that's why I say fighting set a stage. You know, I walk into business meetings with politicians and, and, and powerful men at times and I watch them talk to each other and I'm like, this is kind of funny. And then when I talk, they listen. Mm. But I think a lot of the times, like the reason they're listening to me is, and I know this because I even met with, with the Romneys one time and one of the Romneys was like, I just kept listening. I couldn't believe how well-spoken you were, but the whole time, all I could think is this dude could kick my ass. <laughs> right? I'm like, that's true. And I wouldn't, but, but, you know, and so I think like, yeah, there's something, you know, that we respect about people that can face circumstances that maybe we wouldn't face ourselves right mm. like and then people i think respect that and i think that um i think that that helps speak about these things but then also when you give people worthwhile information that makes them want to go try something like if i tell somebody listen make love to your girl tonight right and make love to her and every time you feel like you're going to get to a place where you're getting close to orgasm like pull out pull out and still pleasure her and love on her in whatever ways that you can do that without being inside your woman. Mm -hmm. And then when the sensation mellows out a little bit, start back up and watch how every time the fire builds and the sensations get higher and the sensitivity gets higher. And like also when that happens, your senses arise. I can see better. I can smell better. I can everything. Your life force is stimulated. And then, um, I'm just going to, but like, go ahead, get your woman off, right? Like yeah. get her off without you getting off and then go to bed, do all that and then go to bed and wake up in the morning and watch what happens. 
you're going to wake up. We're going to wake up with a heart on, and your girl's going to want you. Uh, and you're going to do it again. Yeah. And then you're going to stop. And you're going to take all that life force that you built up over the night and the morning, and you're going to take that to work with you. And then you're going to use your heightened level of senses to do your work and to do your yoga. And then you're going to come home, and when you walk in the door, your wife's going to be excited to see you, and your dick's going to get hard again. <laughs> because you haven't depleted that essence and that force that takes time to build. That's what the come down is, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Where now you keep that and carry that with you for a week before you get off and watch what that does to your senses and your life. But also be careful because it's a lot of energy and a lot of fire to be able to manage and not everybody should be trying to play with that energy and fire because if you get road rage and don't know how to deal with it, it might it might give that experience a little bit more <laughs> yeah, all experiences. Yeah, there's nothing like road rage with a heart on. Uh. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, you gotta... <laughs> Quote so, that one. In that, you know, like, I, I, t- I tell people, start slow, maybe do it one time, maybe do it twice, but eventually you'll get to a place where you can walk with that energy for a week and now you have a clear conscience and you're, you're being able to stimulate it and life force can create more powerful thought, which can create more powerful creation within your own life. You start to think about things and they start to happen. And then you start to see the connection of what I think also becomes what my life really is because your life is the way that it is because of how you think and how you feel. Period. Period. you, you, You make your life what it is, your consciousness, your choices. That's why your life is where it's at. Yeah. For everyone. (laughs) <laughs> hard, hard pill to swallow for some people. Yeah. And maybe not until the point of eight years old. But after eight years old, you start to be in control of your own consciousness, mm-hmm. whether your parents are telling you what to do or not. And yeah. that changes again at 16, at 21. But, you know, by the time you're 16, 21 years old, right, like you're in charge of your consciousness and the life you're creating. And that's a lot for us to, yeah, pill to swallow and responsibility to take instead of, man. God's sure not giving me what I need. No, God gave you the ability to think and create the life that you want to create. Like, period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have the you have the vessel that you need in order to move forward. Yeah. You've had it all along, you know. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I think that's that's part of the power that religions and institutions and school have taken away from us. And it's like, you know, I feel like Jesus, Buddha, powerful spiritual men from forever, you know, have said, listen, you know, God is in me and I am within you. Like, you have this energy. You have the ability to create. Take it on yourself, right? It's not this blind faith isn't what's going to get you to heaven. The power of realizing that we have the power to create now and make life better for ourselves and the people around us, that's the consciousness that we're trying to bring here now to create the lives we need to create. That's the work that I'm trying to be a part of. Just realize we got to do it now. we got to do it here in this life. It's the heaven on earth, man. Or you're going to come back and do it again. Yeah. Or, yeah, you'll get another (laughs) shot. (laughs) You're going to come back and have to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is interesting, like, because a lot of people look at, like, um, reincarnation, or I have a tattoo on my arm that's uh, the moksha, which is, like, the liberation from the life, death, rebirth cycle that the Hindus talked about. Eventually, apparently, you reach some point of um, enlightenment where you no longer have to keep learning these life lessons over and over again in the next life. But reality is, we live those within this lifetime. 
You know, like if you date the, I'm guilty of it. Like you start dating the same girl because you have the same story about your own self-worth. And every time you break up with that one girl, you think you're going to date another girl. But guess what? You're going to date that exact same girl in a different package with a different look because you haven't learned that lesson yet. And so you're going to keep getting that story until you figure it out. You can get off that karmic wheel. Absolutely. Until you change your karmic wheel or your you know level of love that you feel you deserve or give mm-hmm. depending on you know and for me i feel like i feel this is a whole nother level but i feel like too um i feel like we're doing work for our for our ancestry and mm-hmm. and, and and humanity in a whole mm-hmm. and i think that your family line is is trying to do certain work but in truth i think what we're trying to do is get ourselves out of bondage and a material bondage that we're in in this world, right? And I think that our family line and our ancestries have to do with that. And so I think it's important to know where you're from and who you come from because what I think about um, the reincarnation is I can absolutely be my great, great, great grandpa. (laughs) Do you know Mm, what I'm saying? mm -hmm. Like I went through those cycles and then like our family and you know comes and then we're, we're we're continuing the work of our grandparents and our great great grandparents and you know i think that like eventually we go out and we go back into this light and we're like should we go back or not and some people they might get caught in the void where they have no choice to come back because they didn't learn their lessons they didn't transcend they didn't you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's a that's a whole nother world right of like you know what are, what's what are we really doing here what's the what's you know, what is life really about? You know, and for me, I feel like there is a there's a high level of of work that we're all here trying to help each other get through as far as like a celestial level. Mm. Our family, I feel like we have we have work to do, you know, definitely. And I think we're just continuing the work of our grandparents, our great grandparents. And I think it's important to know your ancestry, you know. That's why I always joke around. I'm a Viking. Yeah, man. Way back. (laughs) (laughs) And it's living right through you right now, man. You know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, you think about it in the quantum field, you know, you're talking about quantum mechanics and all that, where the, you know, the present moment, like where all things are possible and all things are happening right now. There's that, this idea that if you're, if you're healing yourself, then you're healing your ancestry too. You're healing your past, your present and your future, because it's all happening right now anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was beautifully said. I don't even need to add to that. No, man. Well, you're living it, brother. You're living it. What's um? So, what's going on with you? So, you you were you were Ultimate Fighter. Was that season two? Yeah, yeah. I started back in '03. I was on the second season of the Ultimate Fighter. Um, you know, and then uh, I I broke my arm in the Ultimate Fighter TV show. Yeah. Um, then I got that. another shot, came back. I won my first fight in the UFC in 21 seconds, got a nine-fight contract. And that was it, man. I mean, that's what I've been doing. You know, I've been through a lot of injuries. You know, I've had herniated discs, you know, and I think what I realize now is that maybe my injuries were telling me to be a little bit nicer to my body. Mm. And through those injuries, I've learned, had to learn about, you know, the discs and, and the nucleus that's within the disc and, and how to hydrate that and, you know, that we can heal ourselves, you know, from an internal level. But the things that I learned to be able to try to heal myself from an internal level 
taught me about breath and the microcosmic orbit and 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 that's why i think we all say man i wouldn't change anything i've been through because i don't know that i would uh i almost caught that fly Ooh, ninja stuff man watch out almost i'm not quite there pretty fast (laughs) yeah the breath right though yeah the fast breath and hand yeah Yeah, you know yeah so you know i i think i my spine injuries have taught me about you know you know the highs and lows right like i i I caused them myself from uh the life that i lived and now i'm trying to heal myself you know now i'm in a place where i'm still trying to transition out of being a fighter because i still definitely got a little bit of that left i mean i still want to punch people in the mouth here and there you're really good Uh, but i feel like i'm going out coming out of the warrior stage and into more of a of a of a community and teacher and leadership role right Mm -hmm. where i don't mean that like oh leadership you know just to lead kids through classes and teach them about their things and adults and so i'm definitely in a transition space right now and that transition space is is hard for me because i loved being a professional athlete and i loved being accountable for me and doing what i wanted to do when i wanted to do it who wouldn't Mm -hmm. and then becoming a teacher and becoming you know you got to have a schedule and you got to be you know, more accountable for where you are. And so I'm taking my time in that transition, but you know, there's the story of Beowulf, right? Where he was at one time in his life, he was, uh, he wanted to be the best warrior in the world. And he wanted to prove that he could defeat any man on the planet. And he started to go into his older age, his ego changed and he didn't want to be a part of the war and the chaos anymore. He wanted to become a leader, a king that, you know, people uh were safe that were around him and he wanted to bring peace to his kingdom and love to his kingdom and he did that too and and maybe you know and, and i feel like i'm i'm in a similar place in, the, in my life where i'm coming out wanting to be part of the wars and part of the fights and i want to just become a peaceful being that people feel peaceful around and and i'm but i'm in the transition stage i'm not there yet but i'm definitely working to figure that out and i'm i'm figuring it out so the, so and that kind of leads into your connection with budokan like how I, i'll i'll admit like i had my um re, i had a very rocky relationship as far as like what i was going to do and how far i was going to be uh, in involved with budokan right right um i love the movement when i saw it on tv when i saw it on internet i heard about camera chain and all this stuff but i wasn't right. really sure you know, about the culture, about whether it be a fit for me. And then I started seeing guys like yourself and Shanji Ribeiro and Lovato, Rafael Lovato Jr. being attracted to what Cameron was doing. And I was like, okay, well, there's, there's, there's something going on at this place. So that's that you guys had a big influence on me, like finally going, okay, fine. I'm going to go meet this Cameron Shane guy and find out. Matter of fact, I interviewed him on a podcast like a couple of days ago. That'll be released like right before it. So it was a fun, fun conversation. But what brought you to Budokan? So, I'm going to answer this. Hold on, let me get my charger so we don't die. Oh, do you think? Do you think? I'm right back. Hold on, let me. Because I thought I just charged, plugged one in, but it didn't start charging. No worries, man. No worries. Technology oh. has to be nurtured just like we are. Pros, <laughs> pros and cons, right? Yeah, man. Now, this isn't charging it for some reason. I'll be, I'm going to go grab it. I'll be right back. Do you think? I'll just talk. 
Yeah, you know, this has been this has been a great conversation with, with Josh. I've been wanting to talk to him for a while. I mean, just seeing somebody that I've watched since Ultimate Fighter 1 and 2 and getting a chance to call this guy a friend has been really, really cool. And I really got a great experience with him in um, Florida. I got a chance to see him as more of, than just a fighter. I got to see him as an, an actual leader in the community, somebody that can go, okay, I, I vibe with this guy. I see where he's going with it. So this has been a great, great, great opportunity. And this is really important for people in the fighting world to to see both sides of the equation. Josh, don't think I'm crazy and I'm talking to myself, but I'm just filling space with him a podcast. I heard I heard you saying you were going to talk to yourself for a minute. Yeah, yeah. We're just you know people are listening, so they'll 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 hear me rambling my mouth. Um, yeah, as you should. Yeah. So we tie it together. I know what just happened. Though. Hold on one second. No worries, man. No I'm worries. about you. You good? It's kind of a, a point of this whole podcast where we're, I'm changing gears. It's like, you know, every everybody wants to hear about like the functionality of fighting and self defense and all that. And, I, and I'm I'm cool with that, but I'm also really really interested in like who people are becoming as a result of what they do. You know, like this is this is more than just performing. You know, getting out there and fighting people. This is this is who we're, who we're becoming, how we're leading our our people into the future. And I think it's important to have role models people that we can look at and go okay well if he can do it i can do it i think it's extremely important well we're just shifting gears i'm gonna go plug it in upstairs no worries, man. so i can the the way that i uh were you done or oh yeah yeah yeah. i'm just filling space <laughs> filling space. space so let's see if this works Sit right in the sun. We'll have good lighting now. Yeah, looks good. I look like I'm sitting in a cave right now. <laughs> All right, we good now? We good, man. We good. Um, yeah, I think. Um, so the question you asked was, how did I find Budokan? Yeah. Right, and how Budokan in itself is all going through a little bit of a transformation. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as like the martial arts and things like that. But I was, um, I was injured and I tore a labrum in my shoulder, but I knew that the injury was coming from my neck. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, me, I would fight either way. You know, there had to be pretty serious for me not to step in the cage, you know, cause injuries and things like that were just part of, part of the game for me, you know? I, mean, I fought one guy with a broken hand. I broke him out. I broke the hand five days before the fight, ah. and then I went and knocked him out with the hand that was broken. Nice. Right? You know, I fought John Fitch the first time with a broken foot. So I went to Portland. I had a torn labrum. My neck was hurt, and I knew that my career was like coming to the end of it, right? Because of just physically, I wouldn't be able to do it anymore. Mm. So I was in Portland. I was doing yoga. I went to this yoga class and the lady teaching was named Margo. And she came up to me after the class and she goes, Hey, do you, um, are you a yoga teacher? And I was like, no, you know, I do a lot of yoga, but, uh, I'm a professional fighter. And she goes, that makes sense. She's like, well, the whole class, all that like kept coming into my, my thoughts is to make sure that I told you about a guy named Cameron Shane. Hmm. And she's like, you know, he's a, he, he, He's a, he's a yoga yoga teacher, but he's developed a system around yoga and martial arts. And I was like, 
amazing because I've been trying to do this myself for 10 years, mm. you know? And uh, so she, she told me about Cameron. I looked him up and then um, I just thought I would start doing handstands to try to heal my shoulder. Mm. And I watched Cameron lower into this handstand and then I started to read some of his stuff and I wanted to be able to lower into a handstand like, you know, I had only seen Cameron do it before. And then I saw him doing these other things. And I'm like, man, I want to learn that. So I hit them. I saw that um, randomly they posted that there was a teacher training in Miami. And uh, there was one spot that opened up. And I, I called, um, I sent Malayne a message. And she's like, come on down. And I, I showed up in Miami. Uh, walked in the door, Cameron's like, Joshua, I'm like, Cameron, and we were instantly brothers. <laughs> and uh, that was two and a half years ago, and I've been uh, training, I've been out to Miami five times, and Cameron's been to Utah, he trained me in fights, and that's kind of where my, my Budokan journey started. Yeah. And it was beautiful to me, because I'd never seen anybody mix together movement yoga and martial arts in a way that I always thought it should be mixed together. You know, before I started tying into what um, Budokan is and what Cameron's doing, I had my own style, which was American Who Hit You. And who Hit You? Yeah, Who Hit You. <laughs> W-H-U-H-I-T-U. That's clever. I like and it. It was, a, it was, and the reason I always said I train my own styles because I said I, I take from everybody. Mm-hmm. And I use what works and I leave what doesn't. And all our bodies are different. So how can we all stop for us when everybody's unique in their own way? And so I was also developing my own style of yoga, martial arts, and movement. And when I went to Cameron, he just had already done it in a way that was so intelligent. And I would never be able to, to do what he's done in the yoga world. And at this point, he would never be able to do what I had done in the fighting world. So it was a beautiful collaboration at the same time. Nice. Yeah. And then I just kind of dropped my thing. And, you know, I never wanted a gym that was Josh Burton martial arts or that was, you know, um, I wanted it to always be uh, about my students and about uh, the craft and the art more than that they were learning a system developed by me. So that's now why I've tied into the Budokan system because the Budokan system is so much bigger than Josh Berkman or Cameron Shane or any individual. It's, it's, it's a system that's um, spread wide and far now. And that's what I think is so beautiful about it. Yeah. I also like that it's a living system too, you know, like yeah. it's, it's constantly, like you said, it's changing. It's changing yeah. every time we go out there. It's like, oh, there's something else a little bit different, something a little new. Right. And that comes from Cameron, you know, like where he, you know, we're, we're in the last training, the, the very, the first mobility teacher training that he did. And Cameron says, listen, like this is, this is under construction. Yeah. We are developing this and you guys are co-creators. And it's like, it's cool. That he can, he can, also be organic in the movement and, and not stuck in this is how I teach it and this is how it's done and also be like no I'm bringing in highly intelligent capable movers and, and he wants them to co-create with him I think that's amazing yeah yeah it was a cool experience being like on the floor with you and then like Shanji's over there he's a student as well and I'm like man I'm right. looking around I'm like 
there's yeah. a lot of energy coming into this program. And, yeah. Well, and then you see, you know, like Shanji's kind of sitting off doing his own thing and Lovato's super focused and, you know, he's in a fight camp, so he needs to be selfish and focused. But it's cool how you see, you know, Shanji start to creep over and be like, yeah. I don't <laughs> want to do this. And Lovato's like, I'm exhausted, but like, I want to play in the movement. And then that happens in the mind sciences and the circles. And, you know, when you bring high high level athletes some of the best in the world together and they're like just observing and then they bend up being a part of what they're observing that there's something pretty special going on yeah and there seems to be qualitatively a difference in the type of guys that i'm seeing um attracted to this so we're not talking about and i mean being in the mixed martial arts world for as long as you've been in and and i've, I've had my my share of being in it just mostly on the coaching side but MMA, because it's a sport, has tended to attract a certain type of person that isn't necessarily right. a martial artist. It's, there's a lot of fighters and there's a lot of athletes, but it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of martial artists. But there seems to be a, a shift that's occurring in the world, like guys like yourself and Lovato who, yeah. and Shanji or, who are, or like modern day samurais, you know, and they seem to be they, they want this type of like work. They want it to be in, in, ingrained in the fighting arts themselves. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's just a, a shift in, 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 in consciousness and society, too, because often sport reflects society, right? Whether you are go all the way back to earliest sports in the Roman days where when they weren't at war and when they weren't um, hunting, they were they were training in, you know, running, jumping, throwing, you know, things like that. And then even like in the gladiator days where it's like, you know, at first it was, you know, men first fighting men. Then that didn't become enough. And as society got closer to falling, right? Like they started throwing Christians to the lions and they started putting four men against big groups and just hearing crazier. And, you know, what I see happening is that early on it was no holds barred fighting, right? And mm -hmm. then it was, you know, and then we have MMA and, you know, now I think that like we are starting to try to, to need more. No matter what, whether what the the news and the politicians try to project is going on, you know, as far as like dividing race and dividing parties and dividing, that is all constructed. But in truth, what I see is people are coming together, mm -hmm. and 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 the, and, the, and the yogis and the martial artists are starting to blend into just beautiful movers, and, and there is starting to be more of an artisticness about it. But I think in the end, we're wanting to just become more in touch with ourselves in, 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 in as many ways as we possibly can. And Budokan is just an example. I mean, what is Buddha? I always say Cameron's a profit of movement. Right? <laughs> he's tying together all the different modalities that we're using to heal ourselves um, into one system. And, and, you know, I think that, like, with the mixed martial arts and stuff too, it's just, it's evolving. Mixed martial arts is evolving in the United States in, you know, for whatever reason, I don't exactly know, but it's, it's helping people come to a higher level of, of training and consciousness, but they're fighting that too, because now they're trying to make, 
what the UFC is and mixed martial arts, um, more entertainment. Mm-hmm. But I think that people um, will tie to the uh, you know the, the traditions of what martial arts is. You know the the, the respect, the discipline, the centering yourself. And I think that, you know, that's what it will become on a community level. You know, I think yeah. that it's going to make a big difference, especially in the kids in our communities and stuff like that. So, yes, I mean, it's definitely entertainment. But, I mean, this is just, you know, martial arts is definitely an art. And it teaches us the warlike side of ourselves. And, you know, I wrote this the other day that, I think the martial arts and the dark, you know, helped me get through the dark sides of myself to come to the point where I'm at now, you know, man, I don't know if I would have made it if it wasn't for martial arts. Yeah, I feel you, brother. (laughs) This is salvation. If I didn't have this, like, who who knows? Like, who knows where I'd be? Well, now, too, I mean, look at, you know, the journey for you, you know, it's like, man, now... I'm going to go check out this Budokan and I already got my life set up here and now you're in Charlotte and you're teaching martial arts for the Budokan. The martial arts aspect of what Budokan is is the part that's going to grow the most over the next couple of years. I, I, I believe so. With, the, with so many people who are... Because I think that's a part that's like it definitely needs and definitely Cameron is a, comes from a martial arts background but you know, having guys who are coming from what the modern landscape of martial arts looks like, who've actually been entrenched in like the the wars and the battles is going to, you know, help that grow. And then on our end, it's like for me, it, it's helping me heal, not just physically, but, you, yeah. you know, like I spend it all emotionally. Yeah, man. Like, Dude, it's like it's like this. It's not going to get any easier for anybody in America over the next five years. It's going to, I feel like society for us and figuring it out is going to get tougher mm-hmm. and whatever that means. And it takes a more intense movement and it takes a more intense breath to deal with a more intense emotion. Mm. So martial arts is the evolution of movement to deal with more intense and emotional energy, Right. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> what? Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> so, Budokan has been yoga and it's been movement with light martial arts. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, Cameron's a beautiful martial artist. Sure. But he hasn't competed at the level of the UFC or Bellator because it didn't exist when Cameron was developing this system. And now, the reason that I believe that martial arts is taking the forefront is because some of the movement and some of the mobility and the yoga deals with an emotion, right, that is not quite as intense, even though there's a lot. But I feel like the emotion and the intensity of those emotions is going to heighten, not just in America, but around the world. And for people like us, martial arts gives you a deeper breath and a deeper motion and a deeper movement to deal with it deeper emotion and a deeper intensity of our thoughts right so the deeper the the deeper the breath and the deeper the movement the more capability you have to deal with the deeper emotion Mm. you know yeah that's not anything that i know except for from what i live yeah (laughs) because Yoga is great for me, but there's no better feeling than going in a sparring match using more breath, pushing myself further and coming out of it more peaceful and happier. 
And so I say, the deeper the breath, the deeper the movement, the more ability to deal with the emotion. You couldn't put that better, brother. You know, well, and that's yeah. why Budokan and the world is starting to see a rise, and especially America, a rise in the martial arts is because there's more emotion and there's just more going on and we're going to need that to be able to deal with everything that happens over the next five, ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, America's, yeah. In, yeah, America's in a shift. Huge and, shift. Huge shift. But I'm telling you, don't watch the news and don't believe what the politicians are saying because people are coming together in America more than they ever have. You know? Yeah. Even if there is a divide in race and religion in politics in my world in our world when we come together in Budokan there is no race there is no religion it's about movement and breath and connectedness and I think that's happening more than people realize yeah I, I, I agree with you man like just my experience through martial arts as a whole if you want to find a place where people from all different walks of life come together to be one place it's in the middle of a dojo like I've never met, seen so much more diversity where people who would never talk to each other on the streets end up right in front of each other, having to confront the human condition <laughs> in a very, very right. visceral way. Right. Yeah. I mean, and two, I think we were at the coffee shop and I took a picture and it's on my Instagram. And it was like, we had somebody from Dubai, somebody from Italy, somebody from Spain, somebody from the Ukraine, people from all over the world, not even everybody, you know, English was not, I mean, might have been me and Brian's only people's first language. Right. There was so much connectedness and love through the system and the movement of Budokan, right? And it's like, yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it's about for sure. Yeah. Bringing us together, helping people get through their stuff so they can feel more connected to others. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a quote by the Dalai Lama. And I'm going to mess it up because I don't know it exactly. <laughs> it says, we're here for a hundred, for 99, maybe a hundred years. And why we're here, do something useful and something good um, to add to humanity. You know, and it's like, yeah, that's, you know, that's what it's about. Is being able to add to the, to the consciousness of ourselves. And once we do that, being able to add that and help others, you know. Yeah. So I think that's what Budokan is about and what it does. And you are opening up a Budokan in Utah, I hear, or I've seen, and we've talked about well, it. Well, I, I decided to not do that. Okay. Um, so what I did, I did, I was I was in. And <laughs> I, you know, I had my boys on this Thursday, one Thursday, but I also had to have um, some things done by the next day as far as my lease, and, and I needed to start to, like, have a financial plan a little bit more specific for myself you know and in running a space that's 5,000 square feet right gonna be a five thousand dollars you know five thousand bucks a month and then you know comes on that insurance plus a staff that's four thousand dollars um all i i I could figure it all out financially right Mm mm-hmm what I couldn't figure out was the time invested it was going to take me to be able to make that work and to be able to continue to, to have balance in my life and be the father that I wanted to be. So what I had to do was, was make a, make a real decision and just talk to the people and be like, listen, um, 
it's not fine time for me to do this because I'm not ready to give up time with my kids um, to build this facility yet because I don't have the booty. You see what's going on in Charlotte, you know, mm-hmm. like you got to bring people in and you got to have that community to build the community. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just, it's not quite time. I think I'm going to do some seminars. I think I'm going to teach at some of the schools and I'm going to build the community without having the overhead. And at the end of the day, I was like, man, I got to teach on Tuesdays and Thursday nights because I got to teach from five to nine o'clock because that's when I don't have my kids. And that's when I'm going to be able to do my best work. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my little boy wrestles on Tuesday and Thursday and his soccer games are on Thursday. And that made the decision for me that I just wasn't ready to, to put in the time commitment yet. So I'm doing seminars and then some other beautiful opportunities have showed up that I like know that I made the right decision. So I'm going to build a Budokan community out here, and I'm just not going to do it in my own building. I'm going to do it in the other schools. Man, that I think – bravo, by the way, brilliant. I, I, I find yeah, myself – Tough to see. It's a tough one, but when once you finally make it, man, like I, I, I was faced with a similar decision. Like I was out here in Charlotte. I was working for another gym. Um, there was talks of doing some collaboration things eventually, but then that fell through. And then I found myself going, okay, well, I need to own something, but you know, the whole idea of owning a brick and mortar building is going to pull away from what I really want to do, which is teach people and inspire people and then continue to grow as a teacher myself. And, you know, good for the people in Budokan Charlotte, for example, who have made the commitment, like we're not going anywhere. We're going to build this place and we need, someone to come in and teach I'm like, Perfect. people will show up yeah people will show up to help for sure yeah yeah so i get it man like i i am not i've owned two schools before and i feel way better now knowing that i'm going to bring a program into the budokan system i'm going to sure. run it i don't have to deal with all the stuff they have to deal with i can focus on being the thing that i want to be which is a teacher absolutely and, and, and for me awesome. that's i'm still i'm in a similar place you know where it's like i can focus on the teaching but really, over the next two years, nothing's more important to me than making sure that I'm the dad that I want to be to help these little boys turn into the men that they deserve to be. You yeah, know, man, that's how you change and this that's, world. That's my purpose right now is, is being a father and being an instructor, not owning the, the gym and and having to do that kind of work. And like I said, I think, you know, that like sometimes, right, like things throw you off that throws you off center and it doesn't mean hard work it just means ah something's not right here and those things showed up to show me what wasn't right and then when i decided to make that choice and i even yesterday man i I wouldn't have been in my little boy's soccer game you know what i mean and Mm. it's like all he wanted to do was score a goal and you know i got to watch him score the goal and i'm just like man oh yeah i'm making the right choices for sure that imprints with him for the rest of his life forever dude i'll never and the week before, I couldn't make it to his soccer game, and he didn't score. And then he's like, Dad, all I want to do is score a goal. And we talked about it, and I had him sit there and visualize scoring a goal. A minute into the game, he scored a goal. Yeah. You can watch it. It's on my Instagram. <laughs> That's awesome. Later, you know, and you'll see how excited I am. And then I went and sat down and was like, oh, my work here is done. That's right. <laughs> I made the right choices. <laughs> those moments, I mean, I can – I can do the rest of the work for a long time, but I can never get those moments back with my little boys, you know. Yeah. Right now, my three-year-old's not in school. My five-year-old's starting. I see where they won't need me as much, but I do know that they need me that much right now. Yeah. 
you know, so well, I'll say yeah. this, man, like I want to acknowledge you for like setting such a great example for um, not only like martial artists, but for men worldwide or martial artists worldwide who are looking for like that path that's going to be truly fulfilling for them. I think hearing someone say like I'm prioritizing my family over some type of like glory, so to speak, then that's where my true fulfillment is going to come from, I think is extremely honorable and good for people to hear. So I want to thank you for sharing that with us, brother. Yes, of course, brother. Thank yeah. you. Where can people reach you? Everything's Josh Berkman, man. Everything's you know, Josh Berkman. <laughs> I don't know Joshua Berkman, but, you know, that's my Instagram, all my, you know, that's it. Social media is how we connect and, you know, that's how I stay in touch with everybody else. So, yeah, I just put my phone down when I have my kids. That shit, everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I have more of an appreciation for people who don't get back to me right away on text messages because it lets me know that, like, oh, they're not living and dying by their fucking phone, you know? Right. Well, people know, people know me. If, if you know, it's like if, I, if if you see that my kids are on Instagram on my videos, you know they're with me and I'm probably not on my phone. I'm, I'm, I sh you know, that's how me and their mom also communicate when we have the kids is we post video of our boys so they can see him and tell my parents see him, my friends see him. But usually if my kids are on my Instagram, I'm not. Ah. on <laughs> my phone very much, you know. And it's like, uh, yeah, so. Pay attention to that, guys. Pay attention to that. He just came out to Utah and he's like, bro, now I get it. I'm like, uh -huh. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> On camera, he came out here and he helped me make that choice. So Good, good. Yeah. When was he out there? Just recently? He came out. So when Lovato fought in Brazil, Cameron okay. came to Utah and then we drove to Boise and then came back. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So just out here. And now, you know, too, if I would open the school, I, I don't think... I would have to kind of close the doors or leave it to somebody else. But if I left it to somebody else, it wouldn't have been a Budokan instructor necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. now I can go and I can finish my training. And, and, you know, I think I need a little more education, a little more teaching too, before I'm, you know, the head of the school, which I would have made it work. And I would have, you know, I think people would have shown up, but it would have thrown me off a little bit. And so here we are. And now I get to be a student and got a little bit more time. Yeah, man about that like i said not quite yet when we were talking about fighting and being a leader and a teacher i'm in the transition period i'm not as stabilized as as the gym owner yet yeah you're in that what did rocky say i still got something left in the basement and i still got a little bit left <laughs> a little so. bit left in the basement yeah. man you still want to hit people <laughs> yeah, well, training with lovato like i said that was something i was like oh no i still got it yeah we still got a few left and that's feel good I could tell. Like, I was like, man, he looks really excited to be hitting Lovato right now. <laughs> I was like, these guys look really excited to be hitting each and other. If, I, if it would have been a year ago and I was trying to do that cage work with him, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do it. It would have, it would have hurt me, you know, and, and then I would have not felt good for weeks. And I was able to do that and then go back into mobility that night and train the next day. And that wouldn't have happened to me two years ago, you know? Which, yeah. That's not just Budokan. I mean, obviously... Western si Western medicine and surgery. Yeah, man, you got a cut right in the front of your neck. Yeah, I got a nice little scar right here now. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm not, you know, my body's not great. It's not perfect, but it's, it's good. 
I can work with it. It get, gets what you need to get done, man, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we'll be watching you along your glory days going on that path, brother. We're, we're, we salute you, man. Glad, glad to get a part. We'll connect, we'll connect soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll be out there in November. Um, I think oh. Jamal might be testing out for his second degree black belt and Awesome. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm gonna come out there and support, man. You know, Cameron, Cameron well, I'll be might. Out there too. I'll be out there the first week and the last week. Okay, yeah. Well, we'll yeah. see each other again, man. It'd be cool, brother. Cool. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, guys. Well, thanks, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate yeah, it. Sure. Yeah. Posting those videos on Charlotte. Let's see how that martial arts stuff's coming out there. It's fun to watch. It's only in the beginning. Like I said, I, I quoted um, the what was it yeah, the Hamilton play. You yeah, know, like they say, tomorrow there'll be more of us is a quote from there. Yeah, and like I wake up every morning. And it's like, yeah, we're starting small, but tomorrow there'll be more. If you're running, if you're running a movement, you just stick to the path. Be clear. Once you're clear, people will follow. You know, yeah, like I think it's, uh, you know, Bruce Lee's, you know, the dragon movies where he sat in his dojo by himself, sat in his dojo by himself. And he somebody challenged him on the street. He beat him up. Two, stone, two students showed up, four students showed up. Next thing, yeah. he had a pack of touchdowns. Yeah, that's one it. One person, one step at a time. That's, that's it. it. That's even same thing, you know, my ayahuasca experience. It's not about having 100 people. It's about healing one person at a time. Yeah, starting yeah. starting with ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again All for right, being, being on the show. Remember, you're a fighter the day you decide to become one, and today might be that day. Stay focused, everyone. Take care. This has been another great episode of The Fight Focus. For show notes and links, visit us on the web at www.thefightfocus.libsyn, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. You can always check us out on Spotify and iTunes as well. Go to any of those pages, like, comment, subscribe, and share. Thank you for the support, everyone. Thank you.